Hollywood is rated LGBT Radio, starring your host, Rob Watson! Welcome, welcome, welcome. Uh, We are rated LGBT Radio, and we are really thrilled you are joining us for this week's installment. Um, again, this week we have a really great show lined up for you. Uh, this one we are actually touching base on a few things that we have actually done full shows on in the past. But uh, both have kind of a revised aspect to them, and so we're circling back on those. Uh, one is the ongoing assault against transgender Americans by the Republican Party, and um, we have uh, several different stories that have brewed up um, on that that uh, our co-host and the editor of the LA Blade, Brody Lebeck, is going to talk with us about today. Um, Just keeping you up to speed. Um, You know, if you have friends who are transgender, if you um, care about the transgender population, uh, especially kids, who are growing up and having that awareness about themselves, these are important stories because they are under assault. Many times they're demonized. They're being used as scapegoats. They're being used as political footballs by the Republican Party. Um, All of it is unfounded, and um, a lot of it could uh, result in really tragic um, outcomes. And so we want to talk about that again. We want to bring you up to what is going on currently in that area. And, um, you know, for both your awareness and your call to activism, uh, because you should get out, get involved, and and fight this stuff. Um, There are real people whose lives are being damaged by it, and the um, motivation behind it is completely nonsensical. Um, also, this hour, uh, we're bringing on one of the good friends of the show, um, Doug Probst. Doug um, is known by another name from the past. Um, you may know him as Sean Mayotte. Um, Sean was a very well-known porn star of the 1980s. Um, we had Doug on a month or two ago um, to talk about his book, Mayotte, Musings of a Narcissist, a Survivor's Story, um, a hugely dramatic story. Um, uh, what he went through, the um, abuse, um, both in religious organizations as well as with his own family and how he came out as a survivor. Um, and uh, it was an astounding story. Uh, we had a great show with him. Um, I wrote an article about the show and about him um, that was published in the L.A. Blade. Um, And you can still find all of that online. Um, Well, Doug has released another book, and it is um, along the same vein, except in a whole different realm. Um, And this is kind of more the positive side and um, artistic side of what he went through. He has actually released a what I would call a coffee table book um, with some very beautiful photography, um, and it is very erotic. Uh, they are the erotic shots 
of Sean Mayotte. They, the book is called Sean Mayotte After Hours, Naked and Unashamed. And as you look through the book, you can see he is both of those things. He is both naked and unashamed um, and presented in a very um, tasteful but a very erotic way. And uh, so those of, of you who are so inclined, I think you would find a lot of enjoyment about that book. And we're going to talk to Doug about it and um, why he released it and uh, everything, everything around it. Um, with that, though, I first like to welcome uh, my co-host, uh, Brody Levesque, to the show. Brody, how are you doing today? I'm doing fair, just kind of in the peachy category as the news flow hits my desk and keeps going. Uh, good afternoon, good morning, good day to all of our listeners across the globe. We appreciate uh, you subscribing and listening to us. Tell your friends. Uh, go to your podcast app, download, 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 every little bit helps. On a personal note, um, I want to mourn the loss of someone that I met uh, the very first summer that uh, I came to the United States from Canada. Uh, her name was Sally Gerhardt. She was a pioneering lesbian educator and activist. She was featured in the Oscar-winning uh, Oscar documentary, the Times of Harvey Milk, uh, back in 1984. Uh, Sally was actually a friend and a colleague of Harvey's. Uh, she fought uh, alongside Harvey uh, to basically uh, do away with Prop 6, and that was known as the Briggs Initiative. Uh, she and Harvey actually uh, debated Senator Briggs uh, in Orange County. Um, the Briggs Initiative, and of course, Brody, was Brody, to remove... Yeah, for those who don't remember what the Briggs Initiative was, can you explain that one? Well, that's, that's what I was about to do. The Briggs Initiative was an initiative put forward uh, that would have barred gay and lesbian uh, educators across the state of California at all levels, primary, secondary, uh, community college. Basically, if you were a gay teacher and you were, uh, you know, you were in front of minors, uh, yeah, they didn't want you teaching. And so Sally and, and Harvey and activists from all over the state of California uh, launched uh, a very successful uh, campaign to defeat the initiative. Uh, they were joined in the effort uh, by then-Governor Brown, uh, Speaker uh, um, of the California Assembly, uh, and Mayor of the City of San Francisco, George Moscone. Uh, and it was, it was a landmark um, it was a landmark thing for the gay community because they, they were under the, under the gun. It was at the same time Anita Bryant was running around the country, uh, you know, with her Save the Children. Uh, and it was just, it was really at a turning point as the gay rights movement itself became focused in California and, and started moving forward. Well, Sally was very, very much a part of that. Um, she was uh, a longtime educator. Uh, she had a tenured uh, position uh, at San Francisco State. Uh, she was given numerous awards for her work. Um, she's just she was just an amazing person, and there's been a couple films about her. Um, but uh, you know she wasn't feeling too good, and at age 90 she uh, slipped away. Uh, my good friend Cynthia Laird, who is the editor-in-chief and news editor of the Bay Area Reporter, uh, San Francisco's LGBTQ publication of record since 1971, 
wrote a beautiful tribute to her that I carried at the Los Angeles Blade. So either go to the Bay Area Reporter or the L.A. Blade, and you can read more uh, about Sally. Um, she was just an amazing, amazing person. So, um, Trent, yeah. yeah. Go ahead. It's been one of those days. Yeah. So what, what, before we get to the trans issues, are, are there any other breaking news stories that we should be yeah. aware of? Uh, very much so. Um, in Minnesota, uh, Tim Walls, the governor, uh, about not even two hours ago, signed an executive order that bars public funds from being used for the discredited practice of conversion therapy for LGBTQ youth in the state. I'm quoting the governor, to ensure that no minor Minnesotan under 18 is subjected to this Byzantine torturous practice. And then he signed it. Uh, he was uh, immediately congratulated uh, by folks uh, around him. And then, uh, of course, he was also attacked by the Minnesota Family Council, which is an anti-LGBTQ organization that has been listed as a hate group by the Southern Poverty Law Center. Uh, they called the governor's order a direct attack on individual choice in health care. Um, the LGBT advocacy group uh, out front, Minnesota, however, was extremely pleased. And uh, their CEO, uh, James Darbell, who I've met actually a couple of times, uh, James said this. We at Outfront are incredibly grateful and excited to see Governor Walsh and Lieutenant Governor Peggy Flanagan signing uh onto this uh, executive or, you know, order. Um, actually, a young man who's been a guest of our show, uh, Alex Fisher, uh, is a young Minnesotan activist. He's been on Rated LGBT Radio. He runs an independent film company uh, in the Twin Cities. When Alex was a freshman in college, he and a group of young people tried to get the practice barred by the state legislature, and that still needs to happen um, and so at this point, uh, the, the push will be on uh, to get the passage of a state ban, like 20 other states, on this discredited practice. Unfortunately, in Minnesota, uh, the Senate is held by the Republicans, so they're not sure they're going to be able to get right. it through. So there you go. And I think we, we also, yeah, we also had on the show uh, John Becker, who was yeah. the young man who uh, – went undercover into the Bachman's uh, therapeutic organization and recorded that they were, you know, practicing that conversion therapy, um, you know, outreach or whatever. Um, and that mm-hmm. was, you know, that was brought up during that when she was running for, for president. Um, well, so, yeah, and her husband, Marcus, of course, uh, they, they call it talk therapy, but yeah, it's in, that clinic, uh, although it's, I, my understanding is no longer in operation, uh, was in St. Cloud, Minnesota. And, and yeah, right. John, uh, John went undercover. At the time, John was uh, working as a journalist uh, for Wayne Benson from truthwinsout.org. Uh, right. uh, so, yeah, and uh, that was, you know, again, uh, we have now with Minnesota uh, 21 states and cities and territories that have now banned this discredited practice, uh, and it actually started here uh, in California, and I want to give a shout-out to uh, Congressman Ted Lau from uh, the Long Beach area because when he was a state assemblyman in Sacramento, 
he introduced the very first bill in the country right. to ban and bar the practice. So shout out to the congressman. Uh, his good deed is still paying it forward. <laughs> yeah, I actually had an online, I wrote an article about it at the time on Huffington Post and had kind of a back and forth with the head of the California uh, Psychiatric Association because uh, they at first did not support the bill and I kind of called them out and then they did support the bill and then they responded on the article and we went back and forth with it um, at the time. So, yeah, California was absolutely the forefront of um, this issue. And um, I'm glad to see it going through. It's a little bit ironic. Um, that, I mean, and I guess this could be pointed out in reverse, but the, um, the uh, conservative group you cited that um, doesn't want, quote, unquote, interference into personal health care has no problem at all interfering in the personal health care of transgender youth. So mm-hmm. it's, um, you know, it's, uh, <laughs> you know, weird. But well, that's, anyway. that's why uh, you just brought up a point that, you know, actually dovetails into what you said at the top of the hour about things that are going on in the trans community in the state of Texas. Um, out of the 60-some-plus uh, members of the Democratic uh, caucus, 57 of them got on two private jets and went to Washington, D.C., and are camped out in Washington, which means that the Texas State House, uh, the Republicans don't have a quorum, which means they can't pass anything on Governor Greg Abbott's so-called special session that he called. And number three on the list was, wait for it, a piece of legislation that once again would bar trans youth from participating according to their gender identity and uh, intramural and interscholastic sports in the state of Texas. So, you know, it's, it's once again, you know, here we have a situation where they're, you know, they're poking their nose in where it doesn't belong. But in the case of Texas, I've got to give props to the entire uh, Texas delegation for saying, uh-uh, and they walked out. Uh, and the lawmakers yesterday actually met with uh, Vice President Kamala Harris, uh, and the Vice President congratulated them on their political courage. Uh, of course, the Texas House Republicans have now all voted to arrest them upon their return to Texas, and Abbott, of course, keeps bowing to have session after session after session. But this is in part the lunacy uh, of the Republican extremist right that has taken hold uh, of Republican Party politics, and especially uh, on the trans issue. They they just, for right. whatever reason, won't let go of it. You know, um, well, I don't think it's for whatever reason. I think it's, I think it's calculated. I mean, it's, it's um, you know, it is a boogeyman issue that they are um, trying to rile up their base of, of you know, it's kind of going back to that, that soccer mom concept that, you know, if they can reach moms and go, oh, my God, your daughters are under threat from these boys that are going to be, you know, invading their sports. And, and you know, it's all fictitious. It's all fictitious. It does not exist. But if they rile these people up, then they are trying to make this a wedge voting issue that, that um, will help fuel not only their momentum in terms of getting elected, but their momentum in terms of fundraising. So I, I think this is totally calculated. 
Well, I and and uh, you know, I was being rather flippant. No, it is very calculated. As a matter of fact, my friend Peter Montgomery, who is uh, the leading scholar and researcher for the People for Americans Way Right Wing Watch, uh, wrote a piece a few days ago um, about Tony Perkins of the Family Research Council, who's also been listed as a hate group by the Southern Poverty Law Center, uh, and again for the lies and propaganda against LGBTQ particularly trans people. Um, Perkins uh, at CPAC in Dallas over the weekend, um, which is a conservative political action committee, um, made it very abundantly clear that the Family Research Council will be doing a full court press on all these anti-transgender issues and laws and making that a focal point of congressional campaigns as we start to move uh, in January into the 2022 congressional house cycle uh, for elections. So yeah, it's it is calculated. Um, right. And as no, you and I know, well, as you and I know, and we've said repeatedly, you know, that the trans folks, uh, our trans brothers and siblings, are very much at the tip of the spear. Uh, you know, when it comes down to this nonsense by the by the right, and especially the extremists on the right. Right. Now, last week we talked about a situation there in L.A. where um, a a spa that uh, was trans inclusive and has some trans mm-hmm. individuals that are part of their membership um, was under attack uh, from a right wing group that claimed that um, a a transgender person was essentially flashing uh, girls and women in the spa. Um, and the L.A. Blade has done investigative reporting to really indicate mm-hmm. that that situation, first of all, did not ever even happen. Um, what What is an update on that story? Um, the story right now, uh, and I I'm, and I'm, can say this today, uh, the Los Angeles Magazine and the Los Angeles Blade uh, have agreed to work together uh, to continue the story, uh, there is a so-called uh, protest that has been slated for this weekend on the 17th. We do not know a lot of details just yet because the organizers on the right have virtually gone underground. They've, they've moved it off of the usual channels to places that we can't get to uh, necessarily on Telegram and some other apps, uh, but they are organizing. Uh, they are still claiming that there was a transgender individual uh, in the facility at the time that that so-called video, which is when viral, was made. We've determined that that, in fact, is not the case. We have five sources now telling us that, as well as I have a source in the Los Angeles Police Department and the LAPD isn't buying it. They don't think it happened either. Um, yeah. There is a lot of agitation about this issue. It's not over with yet. Uh, and unfortunately and sadly, there is going to be um, probably uh, some folks out there who have a propensity for violence that are going to exercise that over the weekend. And so the Los Angeles Magazine and the Los Angeles Blade uh, have teamed up, and we're going to be having our reporters cover that before the weekend. Good. No, good. And um, I, again, it, it just the principle of it is is the same. Is this trumped up? Uh, pardon the expression, um, vendetta against situations that have never happened. And California is historic in that. In that, 
when the um, all the bills were going on about uh, transgender kids using bathrooms, that a story circulated about a transgender individual in the L.A. school system that was um, harassing girls in, in the girls' room. And again, total fiction did not happen. It was all a wet dream of the right to um, irate people, and it, it, it was a fabrication. Um, Brody, tell us about a question mm-hmm. about the um, uh, Kunan uh, congresswoman who attacked trans parents and uh, called oh. them child <laughs> abuse, yeah. abusers. Yes, QAnon Congresswoman Marjorie Taylor Greene. Uh, okay, so Courtney Cox has a reality show that is uh, streamed live on Facebook. And it is uh, in its third season now. And it's called Nine Months with Courtney Cox. And basically, uh, this particular show is about, you know, kids and raising kids and having kids. And it's, it's a pretty good show. Well, um, in a June episode of the season uh, three, uh, which is currently being streamed, uh, it featured a trans uh, couple, Ahana and Patrona. Uh, Ahan, uh, is trans masculine uh, and carried the child, and then Patrona is a trans woman. Now, in this particular episode, Patrona was attempting to breastfeed the baby and, of course, was frustrated when she could not, so the child's being fed with formula. Well, that's what set the congresswoman off. Uh, in her rant on Twitter, and, and this was a retweet, first she retweeted, uh, a Republican who's challenging Democratic U.S. Representative Paul Tonka in New York's 20th Congressional in next year's races. But here's Green. Okay, this was a hateful transphobic rant claiming this is child abuse. This baby is in danger. Remove this child immediately. Caring for and raising children should have nothing, absolutely nothing, to do with fulfilling this man's unnatural fantasies. Men cannot give birth or breastfeed. They are mentally unstable. Okay, that was the congresswoman. All right. right. Now, my colleague at The Advocate, uh, Trudy Ring, pointed out that sometimes with medications and use of hormones and other things, trans women can, in fact, be capable, okay, of breastfeeding uh, because these things, uh, these medications will induce lactation. Okay. As a matter of fact, there was a study recently that noted that that was, in fact, the case. Okay. But as far as Green goes, she's not going to have it anyway. Now, she's got a long track record, besides her QAnon rubbish, of anti-LGBTQ rhetoric. Earlier this year in February, uh, when the Equality Act was being debated in Congress, Illinois Democratic Congresswoman Marie Newman put a transgender flag in the hallway outside her congressional suite uh, in honor of her daughter, Evie, who's trans. Well, Green, whose office is literally right across the hallway, uh, from Representative Newman, immediately hung this huge, and I mean huge, sign directly facing Newman's congressional suite that said, quote, there are two genders, male and female, trust the science. And then, of course, she said some other things that, you know, are quite right. nice. And then, of course, she's, this week she tweeted, you know, talking about Caitlyn Jenner, uh, stop promoting this man in a dress, you know, and then she's also previously tweeted, teaching racism and promoting sex, homosexuality, and normalizing transgender to children is mental, emotional child abuse. 
You know, I, I mean, she's got a long track record of just being hateful. And so the attack on this trans couple did not come as a surprise. Now, as most people, including this reporter, will point out, she's been stripped of all House committees. She's been stripped of any work to do on the Hill. She doesn't introduce legislation. She stands up and gives speeches. She got in a boatload of trouble for comparing mask wearing to Jewish yellow stars of David and the Holocaust. In fact, right. it was so bad, she was actually forced to go take a tour of the Holocaust Museum there in Washington, and she came back to the House floor and immediately did a retraction and an apology. But, I mean, you know, she's a nutcase. But the problem is, is she's from a district in Georgia, okay, that went for Trump in the last election, is MAGA red, has a high, high illiteracy rate. And, yes, I'm saying that very intentionally because it's my contention that the less educated they are, the more likely they are, okay, to fall in line with cultist-like type behavior, which fits this QAnon congressperson, okay? So basically she's got nothing to do all day long except be a pain in everybody's butt and tweet stuff. So think Donald Trump only without being as annoying as he is on that bigger scale, you know? And surprisingly, Twitter hasn't shut her up yet. Yeah, but to that point, she is a darling of Donald Trump for obvious reasons, uh-huh. and Donald Trump still remains the front runner for the Republican uh, 2024 presidential race. So that alone, regardless of her whatever power she does or does not have in the current Congress, um, she still is something somebody that the Republicans either need to deal with or. Um, understand that she's going to be the face of their party um, because she's already being a mouthpiece for them, whether they like her rhetoric or not. Yeah. Now, I mean, you know, it, it's, she is a mouthpiece and she is a pain, uh, but again, it's, it, it's part of the entire culture of the Republican party. I mean, it, it just, they're all doing it. Yeah. She, she right. just happens to be, the most highly visible, you know, one doing it. Well, but they're she, all yeah, yeah, they are, and she's the outlier, and she is. She's not saying it in the way that those who are, you know, potentially even more dangerous because they're upholding this nonsense, but they're trying to say it in the most, you know, seemingly acceptable way. And she says it in a way that is obviously unacceptable and out there. But you know, they they still need to own that. They need, they need to own that that is really the principle that they're standing for. Um, I want to go ahead and bring Doug on because um, I know uh-huh. Doug is uh, very politically active as well as being an author, and I know he has um, some viewpoint on uh, some of these issues as well. So I thought I'd give him an opportunity to weigh in. Doug, welcome to the show. Hey, Doug, are you there? Can you hear me now? I can hear you. We can hear you now. You were now, right. I'm sorry quieter. about that. <laughs> I, now can you? I I, uh, I was listening with uh, wanting to jump in at all kinds of places, but I, I I held myself in knowing that I was muted. Of course, 
That was very good on you. That was very smart on you two, you guys' part. Keep me muted. You, you know that. Anyway, but Brody. I would say you could you could have jumped in, but it wouldn't have worked. I, anyway, yeah, yeah right, exactly. What, what right. Your I, I knew you guys know. You know me well enough. Keep me muted until it's my time. Um, <laughs> but as far as you know, the issue that you're, you're Brody and you were you were discussing, you know, on my website I put a a. A story about the Texas bill that would take anti-suicide drugs away from trans children, and there's a heartbreaking video of a mother testifying in front of the, you know, Texas lawmakers. And I wrote that you know, they they seem to have nothing better to do than to kill transgender youth. Um, and in the video, you know, she tells them, you know, I'm terrified to be here today. I'm afraid that by speaking here today, that my words will be used against me. Should SB 1646 or SB 1311 pass, and my sweet son, whom I love more than life itself, will be taken from me. And the bill actually says it would redefine child abuse to include consenting to or assisting in the administering or supplying of a puberty suppression prescription drug or cross-sex hormone to a child, as well as other gender-affirming healthcare procedures, even though puberty blockers are reversible and they are prescribed specifically for and they, to significantly reduce suicidal thoughts for trans people. So basically, legislators just want to kill trans kids. That's it. And they would criminalize yeah. doctors for, for, for prescribing the anti-suicide drugs. You know, her son, she's saying, that, you know, you know when, his son was, when her son was four years old, he asked her if scientists could turn him into a boy. And... I only knew that he wasn't like most girls his age, and something inside of him was hurting. Now, the thing that's always fascinated me is that that's science right there. Science is measurable. It's right in front of you. Some of the – and to like – you know, I don't want to go off track, but, but I always – I look at it like when they call, you know, uh, criminal cases, there's circumstantial evidence. Well – we have enough circumstantial evidence, and some of the circumstantial evidence, evidence cases are the best cases in the world. If you, if, you, if you are trying to try a guy for murder and you go into his computer and you see you know, how, to, uh, how, to, how to hide a body, how to do this, how to do that, how to do that, that's pretty good circumstantial evidence that that, guy's a, that guy was a murder. The same thing with, with, with transgender youth. If you've got kids that are this way at that age, where is the where how, how what am I trying to say? Like, how do these people get it in their heads that that's somehow reversible? This is who they are. I've met right. so many five year olds and seven year olds, as you read in my book, um, who are either transgender or gay. You know, I mean, and that's who they are, and they're all of this. You know, I hate to say this, but it, it's simple, but because of the Republican hate and because of those kind of people, what they do is they turn a simple issue and make it complicated so that they can have it their way to uh, support their hate. And wherever that hate comes from, I really don't know because I, at, at 10 years old, you know, I had no problem. I was tricep. It didn't matter who, who you were. I mean, it didn't matter what you did, who you were. I had kids come on to me. It never seemed – it never bothered me like it does other other people. I mean, but, you know, now we're talking about, like Brody was saying, that 
this is so serious because they're using transgender people just like the Nazis used Jewish people. Right. Um, gay people were not enough when it came to Mike Pence. I mean, look at the difference in Christianity. Jimmy Carter builds houses for the homeless. He uh, feeds the poor. He does Christian work. He's never said a word about, you know, uh, gay people being, you know, anything about anything bad about gay people. and never said Jesus. Said, but then that's a real Christian. Then Mike Pence comes in office, and his whole his whole agenda is kill the fag, kill kill gay people. That's all it is. That right. and, and to me, it it is a fact. I'm writing a. a an article on, you know, on, on the sociopathy of born-again Christianity, because obviously we all know now that evangelical, evangelical Christianity was not about uh, morals. Um, but I'm not sure how it got this way, because like Brody was saying, you know, in the 70s, I mean, that was the height of liberalism. I mean, the 60s started it, and in the 70s, it just went, you know, we had shows like Soap, we had where, you know, things like that. And then Anita Bryan came along, and that Briggs, the Briggs uh, measure, at least it failed. But yeah, I, I think the Doug, I want to jump in. I want to jump in on a point, the points that you're raising before, uh, because uh, I think they're really pertinent. Um, yeah, the, jump in and cut me off anytime think, you feel like. Well, oh no, no, the, I don't want to cut you no, off. No, I need I, to. I need to be. I need to. Go ahead. <laughs> but, I, need um, I want that because we were talking about conversion therapy and how. Um, that was now being outlawed, Horrible. which is which is good. But the, right. the thing is, I think I think there is a level of understanding of these things that is pertinent because on on the on the surface level, it looks like we're talking about two things that in principle are the same thing. One is right. should kids right. be subjected to quote unquote a therapy before they are of of adult age. And should should parents potentially quote unquote thrust this upon them before that? So you have people who are uh, LGBTQ affirming who look at conversion therapy and say no no that's child abuse if you you know you know if a kid comes out as gay and you throw them into conversion therapy. The conservatives are saying whoa wait a minute but you've got these kids coming saying you know I don't like being the gender I am. And now you're going to throw them into this quote unquote therapy before they're 18 to, to make them, this is the rhetoric, make them transgender. What is not being understood is even though they're two different therapies, and to your point, one is incredibly scientific and the other actually is incredibly unscientific and in fact has been scientifically proven to be detrimental but the the issue is with what you brought out with the hormone blockers is all the hormone blockers do is they stop the child's physical body from moving forward in a direction that that person may not want to be ultimately and so it right. delays that to the point where that, point, that child or that person reaches maturity and in most cases, to your point, they already knew who they were and they continue on as to who they were. Right. But their body right. has not done things that are difficult, if not impossible, to reverse. So it is 
the way that a child can reach a mature age, make a mature decision on who they are, and move forward. So it's, it is, there is devil in these details. Of of the experience, there's devil in all their um, all their bills. I read all 31 bills. There, there's devil yeah. in all those details. And if I may jump in and and, and piggyback sure, on what you're talking about, being a therapist myself, um, first of all, I want to say that and, and to Brody, what he brought up, it, it's it's a very heartening thing to hear that Democrats finally have balls and they got in a plane and took off. I mean, you know, that wouldn't happen in the 80s or 90s. You know, all all 56 years of my life, all I've seen is you know, we, we just screw ourselves in the butt. You know, we just – every time we find a way – not anymore. It looks like we've got, we got some people in there with balls. So that's very, very heartening and very uh, uplifting to, to know that we have people that will stand up. Now, on the therapy side, whether it's a child or it's an adult, the, the only way therapy works is if you don't put things in a child's head – before they talk to you, you don't come into a therapy situation and think you know what's best for the child. You listen. There are people too. When I was a child, I knew what I wanted to be. I knew what I wanted to go on, and I wanted to express myself. Now, we all, you know, dumb down children and think that they're, you know, you know that's why the cartoons get what Teletubbies compared to the old Bugs Bunny. It's like ridiculous. You know, the only way therapy works is if you sit back and you let the child talk. And let them, and then you accept what they're saying as their truth. Otherwise, all you're doing is putting your bullshit and your truth and what you think into their head. And, and that seems to be, you know, the Republican agenda. And, yeah. you know, in my and, early... And, and, go ahead. And to that point, though, Doug, because, I mean, going back to your question of, like, how, how did they get this way and why are they doing this and the kind of the evil... That is behind it. Fox News. That that is it, that is almost the definition of being conservative, and I don't mean this in in, in a uh, derogatory way, but but you know, I grew up in that traditional mindset, and part of that traditional right. mindset is to keep everything a certain group of people in our society knew as status quo, keeping it at status quo. And that goes right, to the level right, right. of what a man's role is in the family, what a woman's role is in the family, and keeping those fixed, that there is no right. deviance from, from those concepts. All of this threatens that. Because even, right, you know, right. this, this, is, this was kind of part of the point of, of gay marriage, was because what was really threatened in the conservative viewpoint wasn't just the fact that, two men were married or two women were married, but the fact that in a man and woman marriage, people in that situation walked in and there was already this resume of what each of them was meant to do. It was unwritten. Right. It was handed down. It was assumed that woman, get pregnant, stay home, right. cook, clean, do all that, man. Right, be in charge of the finances. You know everything on his shoulder in terms of the financial welfare of the family to lead the family and you know in in the community, et cetera, et cetera. So it's like there was these very specific ideas of what 
the roles were, and you look over and all of a sudden you have a couple that the two people come in and they're equal in terms of their who they are gender-wise, and so those, right. those resumes go out the window because they have to be defined because nobody walks in going, well, I'm the, this person. Because, no, you're also to be claiming that person, and we have to work this out, which is actually right. a healthier way for any couple to approach it, but that's the threat to conservatism. And, and as you know, if I may jump in, um, I grew up completely differently. I mean, it's like what I saw at a young age, you know, let me know that they're, everybody's a hypocrite. You know, I, I can right. tell you right now, and I can tell you straight out, straight out without any kind of, you know, doubt in my mind that I could get Marjorie Green on the phone and get her masturbating into thinking about two guys making love. I can do that in a, in a heartbeat. That's the perfect kind of person that I was doing it to. That's what I was doing it to. Right. You read that in my right. book. And I, and I told on myself, yeah. and I, I mean, why would somebody make that shit up? I, I mean, I did that, and I, I, I told on myself. Maybe myself was bad, but I wasted a lot of time doing that shit because I thought it was funny. Because I'd get these Catholic nuns, and all of a sudden, they, they'd start masturbating and telling me how two guys and saying things. Marjorie Green is that same kind of person. She is, whatever it is about her, I mean, you know, we all know that, you know, Jewish lasers are Jewish lasers. What if it, Jewish space laser is stuck on the 405 or it's been on there for two years. It's not, it's not a space, uh, but anyway, that's a joke. Um, but she, no, you know, no, she's I, such an I, idiot. I'm, I am, mm-hmm. I, I'm just, yes, I'm just trying to stay in the, the fact that you have just now established the new Marjorie Taylor Green challenge. Can she get on the phone <laughs> with, um, with, I'm going to use your old name, Sean with me, I, I can, I'm telling you, one, I bet, I'll bet my life on it. I can get her doing it. I can well, get her doing it to the thing that she says she hates. I, I have, to, I have been yeah. with so many women that have done that, where, they, oh, my God, trans, transsexual. And then I just, especially when I was younger, obviously, you know, and, and, right. and I flip on the porn. And then next thing you know, they're wetter than hell, and they're looking at it, and they're going, well, and or they're on the phone doing it. And, you know, because I took – this is really a waste of time. I took a lot of time to make up a story that would get me into that. And, I mean, I was I, I obviously – you know, I did it so much that I got I got known in the L.A. County, and I got banned from calling churches. <laughs> the churches talking to each other and started saying, don't listen to that guy. He'll get you, you know, blah, blah, blah. But – uh I'm, my point is, is that it's kind of the same, uh, you know, it's a, it, there's a nexus between that and the man who, you know, hates gay people because he's had fantasies about sucking cock, you know, it, right. you, you know, it, it, and it's the same thing. I, I, I mean, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just loving this concept. It's like, it's, it's like, uh, yeah, let's we, get on we the phone. We got to put, yeah, we got to put that. <laughs> put that out there. But I want to transition, <laughs> pardon the expression, okay. um, because the other thing <laughs> we want to talk about, okay. ironically, uh-huh. is um, your new book, Sean Mayotte, After Hours, uh-huh. Naked and Unashamed, and this will be the book right. that you will hand Marjorie Taylor Greene. As That's you have right, and you remember, being <laughs> naked and unashamed are very important qualities to have when you're doing porn. So so you have released this beautiful book. It's, you know, the beautiful Thank you. photography Thank you very much. of, of uh, erotica, basically, um, uh, mm-hmm. from back in the day. 
why did you decide to uh, put this out there? To make money. No, I'm just kidding. I, I um, <laughs> put it actually because they are such beautiful photos. I got to give credit um, to Ken, Ken Susselman, who was known to the public as Kurt Dietrich for the incredible photography that he took. Um, it really, he really was one of the best of the world. And, you know, I've become friends with the people, um, Terry Noel and John Cox, who bought the studio from him. And I've been friends with them for a long time. And they allowed me to have uh, dominion over them and to, have, have, to use them any way I could. And so what I decided was to, because so many people wanted to see them. And I didn't think it was really fair that in the 80s, you know, I would pay, get paid $1,000 to do a session and another, you know, 500 here, here we go, they do this, and then $500 to do a P session and all this kind of stuff. And, I mean, that went on and on and on and on and on. And Kent even told me, you know, I made millions for him. And he bought his house in, in Los Alamitos, which is a pretty expensive, wealthy area to live in. Orange County, and from my from from the proceeds he received from from my photographs all over the world, and and I didn't I don't think it's that it's fair to me. Now I should be making right. money off it. So you know right. I'm not making hardly any money off it. So don't let anybody think that you're if you buy it. I want you to enjoy it. What, what it's more important to me. Let me go back. It's more important to me to put out something that really really became a labor of love. I wanted I wanted to see if people still wanted hardcover coffee table books. And so I put that out there and I got a huge response that yes, we'd buy that. And I kind of let them know, you know, it's kind of expensive. It's 80 bucks. I mean, we went to, we went to 15 different printers and all of us turned it down because they were, they were too, they were porn and they were too dirty and all this stuff. And finally found somebody that would do it with no problem, but it was $900 out of my pocket right off the bat um, because they didn't know if they would sell or not. You know, they're not, they're not right. going to pay all that money to, to publish, you know, to print them, and we haven't paid for it yet. So we had to pay that out of our pocket. Now, I've gotten very lucky in that I, I have sold enough right now to where I have made – we have – my wife and I, we have made a little bit of money. Not much. I mean, we're talking about maybe a couple hundred dollars. But it is picking up, and I like to call it my book of hard-ons because, because I picked out 30 <laughs> – 30 of the best, you know, and they are beautiful. The guy was incredible as a photographer. Well, he stands you know, up there, right, the with thing. the best. They, 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 they are erotic, and they are, they are beautiful photographs. And it does kind of beg the question why um, a, a beautiful young man, which, I mean, you, I mean, you're still beautiful, but, you know, in, in oh. these pictures, you're, you know, you're, you're, Thank you're you. exceptional. I mean, the, just the the look of the eyes, the the hair, everything is, mm -hmm. is like perfect. Um, but Thank it's you. like because it is erect penises, all of a sudden <laughs> it has gone to this taboo place where right. just historically, right, right. you know, in in um, even in American society, um, a naked woman in the same position could be seen as completely artistic and not right. you know not as as ex for some reason, the erect penis is the most X-rated thing that could be depicted, which is yes, kind of bizarre true. that that's, that's the true. case. So, what, what are your thoughts? What what is it about the penis? 
because men are jealous of each other's penises. I mean, you know, you know, this may sound strange, but my belief is, you know, you take down the the highest buildings in America because our penises might be bigger. I I don't know if that's the reason, but you know, men don't men are jealous, except for gay men, obviously. Um, but straight men, you know, they they're jealous of another man's penis that might be larger, might be better looking, might be whatever. And in the end, you know, we all know that the outside, it does matter for a while. I mean, it matters, but nothing, nothing on the outside matters as much as on the inside. I mean, you know, but when it comes to erect penises, again, every problem seems to come back to men. You know, they don't want to see it. They just don't want, they don't want to see it. And, and, uh, that's my guess. I mean, I, I know that's, you know, that's that's a pretty lame answer, but, but I no no I, I, think I it's, it's I mean it's yeah I think it's as valid an answer as any. It just it just has always seemed to be um, this huge um, prudism of of American right, culture. Right. I mean, because it wasn't even I mean even European culture and you know Michelangelo who you know of course was gay so you know there we go. But, you know, his Statue of David is, I mean, he's not erect, but right. it's still male beauty. I mean, in a, in a yes. you know, pretty, pretty right-in-your-face form. Um, but, I mean, that was accessible as art. But, you know, right. it's, um, it's just something about male sexuality that, you know, hits that, that level. Um, what... I mean, one of the things in your story that I think is super impressive of your original book, um, you know, uh-huh. The Musings of a Narcissist, a Survivor Story, is how uh-huh. you took abuse um, where you were objectified and basically um, abused and, and raped um, on oh, yeah. different mm-hmm. levels to a thing where you're taking that yourself being used as an object and kind of transforming that. Um, how how is this affecting you personally? Well, I mean, when you wrote that article, I'd love to have you write another one. Um, they, your writing is beautiful, was beautiful, and you really did hone in on. I think I think you um, you lasered in on one of the one of the answers that of, of one of my coping mechanisms. Not an answer, a coping mechanism for what I went through. And I, I turned it into something that would make it work for me. At the same time, you know, I'm a musician too, and I can play Bach and Beethoven when I was a kid. And also, when you go through that in your teenage life so many times, I mean, I didn't even write. I could write a whole other book about how much, how many more people. I mean, there, 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 was, there was Father Francis. There was many of that had sex with me um, against my will, other people. Um, and I think that what it also did was, um, inculcate into my head that that's all I was worth. It's a combination of both. And I always say this because it's true. I mean, I, I, you know, my, I've had clients on my caseload that were raped when they were five and and all that kind of stuff. And what happens is, is you become what I call, and it's a, it's a well-known phrase in AA and NA and those groups. And you know, this probably because you've been sober a long time, um, you become an egomaniac with no self-esteem. It sounds, you know, you know, it sounds like a, uh, an irony or, or a, 
What's the word for you? Yeah. yeah, paradox. That's what paradox. I'm paradox. Yeah. But it's not. It's like when you're used sexually as a young person, all of a sudden you get this ego of like, wow, I got something people want. But at the same time, you're also ashamed because the person doing it to you is ashamed of it. And you read about what Dan Dobbins did to me, and they make it all shameful, and it's all horrible. And it is wrong to do that to a kid because you take away that kid. It's the worst thing you can do. I mean, it's worse mm-hmm. than even physical abuse. And I used to think physical abuse was the worst because what you do to the kid is you, is you, you take away their right to have their first determination of when they want to have sex. And you have you know, done things to their body that should never have been done. You've taken somebody else's child and abused them. So the person like me, in the back of my mind, I'm no good. This is all I'm good for. But I really, I really think that what you hit upon was very true in the way that I dealt with it. I didn't, de- I didn't deal with it in, in the way of, of like, this is all I'm good for which is what most of my friends did who got into porn and, and died of AIDS and just looked right. you know, I just wrote, I just wrote a tribute to Lance, who was a very popular porn actor in the eighties. And, and I, I'm not going to demean David here um, too much, but I do have to say that, you know, he was a user, a drug user for all those years. He killed himself and, and basically stole a lot of stuff from the, from the directors. And, you know, instead of, turning what he had where there are those of us that turned what we had into a positive, you know, um, you know, he killed himself because he yeah. couldn't get over the shame of what happened to him when he was young. I mean, right. most of us that got into porn at that time got into it because, you know, we came from broken families and, and they discarded us. I was literally on the street at 13, you know, 12, 13. And, and, uh, luckily the system picked me up. And then there's a whole other story there. But um, yeah, no, I was, and, I, and I, I do, really I do encourage people. My, yeah, no, no, no problem. Um, I, <laughs> I do want to focus people on getting your book, um, the first book, because you lay all that story out in in detail, and um, it's a fascinating read and um, a, you know heart heart turner. Um, but also, how do people get the new book? How do they order that? The way they, the, the only way they can get the new book is to go to my website, which is www.mayotte.com. Click on that, you know, and, or Google it and, and click on it, and then you'll see products. And you click on products, and the new book is right next to the um, Musings of a Narcissist, and it's called Mayotte After Hours, Naked and Unashamed. And... Um, it's eighty dollars, and and we will we will ship it to you immediately. I just got a couple orders today, I'm very lucky, and uh, I will personally autograph it for anybody who wants that. You don't have to, you don't have to pay me to autograph it. I'm I'm so lucky that people are, would would want it. I'm, I'm not that. I'm not that. And and uh, be very yeah. All you got to do is just click on my website, and then you can sell it from there. I cannot sell. Um, nude pictures from my website. I mean, the book I can, but I can't. I can't sell, you know, uh, Amazon or, or nude pictures. In other words, we published that book. Amazon right. didn't publish it. We pub- we self-published that. So it cost us a lot of money to publish it. So um, and I wanted to make it 
beautiful. And I think, it, and I've gotten a lot of compliments back on saying, oh my God, this is beautiful. This is worth it. And um, I can't tell you how good I feel inside about that. And, uh, you know, that, that people are actually, you know, loving my work. I mean, you know. Um, yeah, no, it, 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 it is beautiful. The pictures are beautiful. You're beautiful. Thank and you. I mean that more thank than just, just physically, uh, you know, having the, had the privilege of getting to know you over over the course of this time that, that we've uh, interacted together. And it's only going to get better, uh, yes. <laughs> exactly. Hey, so, um, Doug, I wanted to ask you, we've only got three minutes left, but I thought if you could, because, uh, because the whole concept of porn has changed so much in, yeah. since the 80s, where it is actually now in the hands of individuals themselves, thanks to cell right. phones and, and, Just like music. and all of right. that. Yeah. Right. What is your what are your sage words of advice to people who are <laughs> self porning, you know, who are putting out their own pictures of their their own phones? What are your final words My, to them? Advice: Go for it. Do what you want to do. I mean, you know, you know, it's it's your business. It's none of my business. And if you have fun doing it, do it. Just know that that you know, and it's none of my business. I don't even know. You know, I, I do, you know, I've looked at porn online and it's, it's stale. It's kind of, it's ubiquitous, but it's not totally stale. They just, you know, they have everybody's good looking and everybody's, a, but if you're doing it yourself, hey, hey, have fun doing it. You know, why not? If you do it, don't regret it. Um, have a good time doing it. And if there is a consequence, so be it. That's what happens. I mean, you know, but I, to answer your question, you know, do whatever you want. And just have fun. I mean, I spent too many years in constant regret of some of the things that I did, and I finally broke out of that. And it's it's a very big relief of of you know dominating your mind and, and you know regret is wishing for a better path. Just do it anyway. I'll keep it down. Just do all the porn you no, want. No, I love that. Have fun. I love that. And and those those are those are don't really worry about what other words. people think. That's the biggest thing. Do what you yeah. want. Show what you want. Don't give a shit about what anybody thinks. What others think of you is none of your business. Put it that way. Perfect. Perfect. Okay. <laughs> Doug, thank you so much for coming on again today. I love you very much. And um, I love you too, Rob. You know, two, I do. Two, two great books out there, so people take advantage of those. I want to thank Brody for his time and work on the show and on the L.A. Blade. Yeah, he's the best. Which he is the editor of. <laughs> so um, great, great work there. And thank you for listening. We will be back again next week with another fantastic show, I promise. And, um, you know, yeah, that's what we're here for. Tell your friends. Have them subscribe. Um, I will. You're important to us. I definitely will. And we will, we will um, produce Send for me you this, as, this, uh, as we this, will. This, if you can email it to me, and I'd love to, I'd love to listen back to it. We will. And, and you can okay, find well. it on your podcast app. Absolutely. And, and we yeah, will absolutely. see you guys next week. You've been listening to Rated LGBT Radio. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. 
There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.